Hello and welcome to another installment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today and in the build-up to the PFA Awards this season, we'll be doing our very own Y Football Awards, looking at Manager of the Year, Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Uh, good morning, Eches. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. We- I think maybe like 30 episodes ago, uh, we tried to get a drum roll for something. I yeah. can't remember what I announced. You know what? I think it's when we announced uh, that we were on YouTube. <laughs> 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 and I think I wanted a drum roll for that. So um, this was another time we should have had the drum roll. And in 30 episodes time, I've not done that. So unfortunately, there is no drum roll to announce the PFA awards done by Y Football. Um, mm, that's a shame. In, in, in cooperation with the Barclays Premier League, in cooperation with Heineken. <laughs> um, <laughs> we weren't able to do that. So um, I can only apologise to everyone listening so far. Yeah, true. I mean, I could find one. I could probably dub one in. But, you know, so I went to the camp, the new camp like years ago. And yeah. They have like a rolling drum just going on the whole time. So I might just put that in at the start, like when the start goes off, just like, you know, in the background where it's quite like monotone. But what I find mad about those things as well, like the the guy just like stands towards the crowd all day just playing the drums, doesn't watch the game at all. <laughs> just find it bizarre. Mate, it's dedication, mate. It's like, yeah. when, you get the, it's like when you get the stewards at live football games that don't watch the match. They just yeah. face the crowd. It's like, mate, I know you've got a job to do, but you can also try and watch the game. They're like telling you to sit down when someone scored an overhead kick. You're like, well, realistically, I'm I'm going to go nuts if someone scores an overhead kick. But to answer your question, I'm well. The sun's shining. I'm going to the, the Barbican uh, later. Um, barbecue like garden. I don't know actually know what it is, but I'm going there in a bit, so that'd be good. Um, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, not bad. I mean, it was League One final yesterday, playoff final, um, which was interesting. One of our players, Sun and Player, was actually in that final, but we weren't, so that was that was nice. Uh, they did <laughs> a, lone, a lone player, yeah, Blackpool won it, yeah. So, yeah. um, good for the seasiders to be fair. Um, I remember when in the Premier League, man, it was so funny when they had um, <laughs> who's that DJ, guy, the winger, DJ Campbell. Oh, yeah. wait, no. <laughs> Gary Taylor Fletcher playing wide. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had so much tech for someone that looks abysmal. He looks abysmal at football. Like if you, if I came to Five Side and you brought Charlie Adams and Gary Taylor Fletcher, I would not, I would not be fearful in the slightest. He had such, he had silky feet. Did have Andy Reid as well for a bit? Or am I, there's not... They might have done. Yeah, he looks a bit like Andy Reid to be fair. But they had a <laughs> Andy few. Reed. They had um. Is it DJ? Is it DJ Campbell? You said that? I think I had Fraser Campbell as well for a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm talking a lot of. I might be talking a lot of nonsense here, but I'm just naming Sunderland players. But yeah, I mean, when they came <laughs> up and they just, that, I, everyone loves Ian Holloway, man. You just can't, you can't beat him. But um, yeah, I think they got really, they get really good first season. They got really good straight yeah. away, like straight I, I, away. I, I was about to say, I was thinking, I got mixed, I got them mixed up there with um in my mind with with Hull City when they came up. Obviously, they. They smashed it, didn't they? With Giovanni, and then, mm. <laughs> and I was thinking it might be in them, but obviously it's not. Blackpool went straight down. Yeah, they tumbled. Since I'm actually going to Stagdo in Blackpool in July, so <laughs> thing is that that sounds like a joke, but I actually am going to Blackpool for a Stagdo. <laughs> so, just to, just thought I'd share that to everyone. Yeah, today. nice one. Yeah, nice. <laughs> might go might go to uh, Bloomfield Road and just see what's going on there. <laughs> that Bloomfield Road, that's their stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it is, yeah, it's good, good knowledge, good knowledge. Yeah, it's good knowledge. I'm not bad too, um... but... <laughs> so, to it. So to kick things off, um, we're, we're looking at Manager of the Year. Again, uh, we should probably put a drum roll in, but we don't have one. Mm. So the options that we have is Pep Guardiola, uh, yep. David Moyes. Uh, I have a friend who's a West Ham fan who will probably say he should win. Uh, mm. uh, Brendan Rodgers and Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel was a very late addition um, to the list. Yeah. 
So to kind of to kind of kick things off, so looking at Pep Guardiola, the, the main reasons for him, obviously he won the Premier League, so by default he kind of has to be there. Yeah, definitely. Um, he actually won the LMA Manager of the Year awards, which no one really cares about, and he <laughs> yeah. won and he and he won the Carabao Cup as well, which no one cares about. So I think for him, I think it was a big Premier League for City to win. Obviously wrestling it off Liverpool and they had all of their injuries, but it is still very competitive. They had that streak where they won this 16 in a row, 15 in a row when they were eighth or ninth and just kept on winning and winning and winning and winning and winning. Um, Cancelo's coming to his own this season, who's great. And I'm a huge yeah. Pep fan. Like people um, often say like, it's really easy when you have that much money to spend, but I think he's a genius, always have done. And I did quite like the, the silence of just all of his fan, all of his enemies fuming that he managed to win the Premier League, um, so that is why I think he should potentially win it. Yeah, correct. I'm just looking. I'm on the <laughs> the League Managers Association website now because I'm trying to. Who I'm just trying to work out what they actually do because I'm just <laughs> assuming it's like a trade union for managers. And I think it is. Yeah, often when they get sacked, right, they're like the first ones to say, he deserved more time. We'll stand, <laughs> we'll stand by him no matter what. And it's like, I was like, cheers, LMA. Yeah, see you later then. Um, that's often what tends to happen. But yeah, you hear very little of them. They tend to be the ones that like, they were really involved with Conte because he had that issue with when, he, when Chelsea got rid of him, but then he was owed like 20 million or something from his contract. Yeah. So he took yeah. them to court and like the LMA were involved with that because even though he was no longer in England, he was still like a manager of an English team at that time. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what they do, but I think they I think they do get involved with a few things. I think yeah, the, true. True. I think the, the stats against Guardiola is obviously the Champions League run. Um, all of his enemies have popped out the woodwork being like he overthought the game. Yeah. Um, overthought is quite an ambiguous word because what does that mean? People have said <laughs> people have said he didn't very reactionary, yeah, uh, very hindsight. Yeah, exactly. People say oh, he didn't pick Rodri and he didn't pick uh, Cancelo, no, Fernandinho. Sorry. One thing that will go against Pep, and to an extent, should it go against Pep? Should it go against any manager? Is the money spent in the league generally? Yeah, yeah true. Should that be a thing? Should it be a thing? Should we, when we look at this, do we look at Pep Manager of the Year? Do we actually take them sort of things into account? And it's an open question, really. Like someone like Moyes, obviously. When you look at his objectives for the season, the cash he has to has to use to spend, the, the squad he has, the personnel. When you're looking at objectives for a season, obviously the goalposts are are different for these for these managers. But should it go against Pep that over his tenure? I mean, I think the stat was like 832 million since he joined. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. But interestingly, with City, they've not actually they've not actually broke a record. They've not actually like spent a like a Mbappe or Neymar size foot like size amount, even though. In theory, it doesn't really matter too much if you're spending 830 million. You've still spent 830 million, and that mm. is a large reason why you are now Premier League winners. But should we look down on the coach? If you've got the cash there, if you become so, Etch, you become Man City manager tomorrow, yep. and they say, "Okay, Etches, we'll, we'll give you, we're going to give you 100 million to spend," yep. or what we'll do is we won't give you that money to spend just in case the press kick off. <laughs> what are you going to do? I think you take the money. I think for me, because I'm, I'm naturally, I'm a naturally gifted manager. I would nurture the academy. Uh, and right. then, yeah, I'd nurture right. the academy, and then we would have a team filled of under twenty three players that go on <laughs> to create a dynasty where we win the Champions League and league in consecutive seasons for the next eight or seven years. Yeah, that's, what, no, that's no, probably very noble. No, but I, I, I think <laughs> I think there is a there is an element. I get what you mean, right? When you have loads of money to spend and you assemble strong squads, you, the expectations are a lot higher. However, I always say the type of players that you're buying for that money are harder to manage. 
mm. at a West Ham, Declan Rice will play all the time, and that's that should be the case because he's very good. As yeah. should some other players in their team as well, like Antonio when he's fit. The difference is that West Ham don't have the depth, quality, or the ego that players at Man City have. And that is very difficult to manage. I remember Inter Milan after Mourinho, Benitez came in and really struggled because what Mourinho managed to do at that time was really cultivate harmony within that squad. I think Eto, yeah. Eto famously said, I only play wing for Jose Mourinho. He used to play him left wing or right wing for a period of time. And he said, I'd only do that for Jose Mourinho. And that, that's the point I'm trying to get across where mm. when you assemble these really strong squads, there is a huge underrated skill of trying to get them singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, agreed. Because yeah. you could be Laporte now. Eric Laporte costs 50 something million pounds from Atletico Bilbao. He could just kick mm -hmm. be like, yeah, I'm unhappy. He could leak it to the press. He could, you know, there'd be murmurs that he wants to leave. There are murmurs he's unhappy, but he can make a big deal of it. Raheem Sterling can't be particularly happy with his game time. Riyad Mahrez has, to be fair, started a lot more this season. But again, because of the rotation at City, there are a lot of established international players that don't play often enough. And they could then just decide to kick off, but they don't because I think Guardiola and City really drive in this this sense of trying to do it all together, if that makes sense. It's, it's an interesting um, discussion, Manager of the Year, I think, because it, 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 there's always, I mean, this year we don't really have it, but there's usually like a, a relegation specialist in the mix. So yeah. if Sam Allardyce had turned up at West Brom to the Hawthorns and had kept them up, he would have surely been on this list. Hmm. It's not because they got relegated, <laughs> yeah. but... Um, it's then how do you compare that that kind of Aldice with that Guardiola? I mean, we discussed it in our Aldice pod, actually. We discussed, you know, if you swapped positions or more, you give Pep the West Brom job, would he just naturally turn it around and they'd finish 15th? Not necessarily because it's a completely different style of management. Like you said, yeah. like his, his skill and his experience is actually getting a team of, you know, a team of like superstars with egos and getting them sing off the same hymn sheet, which is a, a great skill. Aldice comes into a team and has to um, turn a team round who have been struggling, who have been used to losing, getting that mindset that they're no longer a losing team, but actually they start winning games. And that's a very different different thing to do. So the whole job, if you take away the fact that Aldice was, came in mid-season, which does have an effect, and it's an argument, arguably with Tuchel as well, how do you separate out the managers that came in in like Jan, Feb, with the with the managers that have been there all season? It's obviously the full the yeah. full gig, full job. Um but how do you compare these two two managers? And it's, it's it's arguably the same here with Moyes. Like Moyes is not wasn't in the relegation scrap. He did excellently, and they finished in Europe. But how do you how do you compare that with Pep? Because they've completely different objectives. But um, I mean, for that reason, I mean, in theory, I mean, if it was me, and we are discussing this today, and I am on this podcast, so if it was me, yeah. <laughs> I'd possibly go with um, with Moyes if I was going through these, these this list because his his task is so much taller. Like the players that he has compared to, I mean, they've got a good squad. But the players that they have compared to City and some of the results they've had, and they finished above, you know, they finished above Arsenal, Spurs, Everton, three teams that spent should a lot be. Of money. They have spent money, yeah, and that, again that goes back to our argument before. Like, do we take that away from Moyes because they spent money? But then it's all linked, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's all linked yeah. to just money money spent. I think we come into to the next point of David Moyes generally. I think. You know, we've mentioned the flaws of uh, Klopp, Guardiola. <laughs> I mean, David Moyes, yeah, you know, he's done really well to get in Europe for the first time. You know, excellent recruitment because West Ham somehow managed this whole season with pretty much one striker. With mm. Antonio kind of playing there, I know that they obviously got Benarama and Yarmolenko kind of, but they did a lot of it with one striker at the home, which is very impressive. And you're right, I think he has had an exceptional season. A manager I had written off previously, I thought after Sociedad, 
he was away mm. from football for a time and I just thought he was the end. You know, you get managers, I talk about all the time with manager cycles, didn't think he could do it, um, but he's done really, really well. And he won't be my pick because I think we've spoke a bit about the top two. We're going to go straight to the third man who I think would win it for me is Brendan Rodgers. Mm. And Brendan Rodgers will win it for me because he's guided Leicester to Europa League again, but he's made them a top four contender. And I think that's really undervalued. We're looking at the yep. top six. We did the Leicester pod, right? Where all the top six become top seven. And we know that Leicester recruit very well. They had brilliant recruitment under Powell and Craig Shakespeare and were 12th in the league or 10th in the league and they were not playing very well. Mm. So, you know, I know that squad's changed since then they brought other players, but the fundamentals and the basics at Leicester have always been there, right? So it's not so much that, oh, they're doing really well because they have a really good setup. They're doing well because of that and because Brendan Rodgers has done a brilliant job. I mean, they're, they're coming in now where they're managing to convince players like Yuri Tillmans when he signed last mm. year to play there. Yuri Tillmans, it was, you know, you, you had facts about him when he was 16, 17 at Anderlecht, that he was going to be a boy wonder. And he's mm. opted to come to England and stay at Leicester. I think that's testament to something which is always highlighted by Brendan Rodgers, which is his man management. From his time at Liverpool, from his time at Celtic, his man management style has always been really, really good. They play good football. Their squad's quite thin. I think they need to be backed yeah. more in the market with, with certain... An example is when Arsenal played them, we won 3-1 but we had both played on the Thursday. So they got knocked out by Slavia Prague. I think we'd beaten Olympiacos. And I can't remember who we beat. Maybe Olympiacos or someone. We fielded a team that had William, Pepe, Lacazette, Emil Smith-Rowe, um, Louise, Cedric, etc. Most of those players didn't play on the Thursday. Leicester playing people like Daniel Amati, Luke Thomas. Like it, the, yeah. the depth wasn't there because obviously their squad's a lot thinner. Their first 11 is pretty good. But I think it's really undervalued what he's done to bring Leicester to where they are, culminating it with a title, obviously winning the FA Cup. For me, there's no real negative against him. The only negative is the fact that they didn't come top four, but that's quite harsh. So I think he would get the nod for me. I think a lot of people would have seen him come in and thought, that's a clever move, but it could go wrong and it's went so right for them. Um, yeah, but obviously, yeah, it's been, but it's, this is kind of a crunch kind of time for them now, isn't it? Like, I mean, they've had this, I mean, I mentioned it on the, on the Leicester pod we did. They've had these, They've had these uh, situations before where they've got, obviously when they won the Premier League, they got pick, players picked off. And then even like last summer when Chilwell went, you know, every summer, and even the summer before with Maguire, I think that was the summer before, every summer it's like one player is getting targeted. Like this yeah. year it'll be Tielemans. And it's like, how do they react to that every time? And eventually it might it might get to a point where they, have, they sell Tielemans, for example, and don't replace well. And then they start to struggle. Eventually, it might go wrong. Yeah, that's what we discussed last time. Um, yeah, no, so I, I wonder. If it's a it's a really important summer again for Leicester because the more of these summers they get right, because they have got them right, haven't they? They've sold players. They sold Maguire and brought in Soinchu and they brought in Fafana. I mean, in theory, who would you rather have them two players or, or Harry Maguire? Arguably, the the former because they've been exceptional signings. Um, so if they get another summer right, I'll keep on getting them right. Sorry, the the more likely they are they are to cement themselves in. In top four. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think the final manager is Tuchel. <clears throat> Obviously, we kind of we need to be on to the, probably the next topic, but Tuchel's, mm. I think his Laura's guided choice to top four Champions League winner. I do think you can't really win it coming in half a season in. I think he, he was, as I said, I, the disclaimer is yeah. he, was a, he was a very late addition. Had the season been August onwards, I think he could have won it, but I just think half a season you know if you ended the season in December to fair city would have still won it but the table would have looked very different and the same kind of applies to the second half right Tuchel comes in 
they've run this brilliant run and played really, really well. But, you know, if we extended it to August, would we have seen the same result overall? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but you don't know. So I think he needed probably a bit more time to kind of be there. And also with Chelsea as well, Chelsea are playing as they should be. So they underperformed, in my opinion, from Lampard with the players that they bought. I know it takes a while for them to settle. But when you look at the talent that they do have, this is where Chelsea should roughly be. Champions League competing for the actual honour itself. It shouldn't be like, oh, Tuchel came sixth. Let's applaud him. And he got the Champions mm. League last 16. The squad that Chelsea have should actually be where they are anyway. So is he really overachieving? Or was it previously under Lampard, they were perhaps underachieving slightly. And that's what they've done now. They've just basically reversed that. Yeah, true. And I was fine with football as well. I mean, it happens with all sport, but like, it's just mad to think like the, the margins that are included. So if you think, yeah, we're talking about two shot guiding to fourth, but they lost that last game against yeah, Villa. Is. And it actually is. the only reason they finished to an extent, I mean, not the only reason they played 38 games and, you know, did, <laughs> and yeah. the points they did. But, um, you know, if, if Leicester hadn't uh, lost to Spurs or if they'd won that game, they were, they were leading twice, they would have finished fifth and then we're having a very different conversation. You know, it's just that the margins are so thin. And I mean, in theory, Chelsea losing that game, they could have finished fifth. And if they finished fifth and lost the Champions League final, then their season becomes very different, doesn't it? I mean, I know that's very, I know that's very uh, easy to say, um, but it is to an extent. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that one. I think moving on to the next, one, we've got Player of the Year. It's a tough one. I think if you look at the candidates you've gone for, we've gone for Bruno Fernandes. Or Bruno Fernandes, if you have the Portuguese speaker like me. Uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, Mo Salah and Harry Kane. I think looking them, looking them as a collective, as a four, Son would have run away with it. He would have run away with it from, I think, August to november October time. So, no, something mm. like August, yeah, to about the first three months of the season. Kane, I would say, even a bit further than that, then kind of emerged. And he... It's tough because I think it's one of those years where I don't think anyone's been exceptional throughout the whole season. Centre-backs are very hard to judge. So, you know, Diaz, yeah, true. Diaz, has, true. Been, Diaz has been very good. So if you look at Bruno Fernandes, he's got 18 prem goals, 12 assists, 28 goals and 18 assists in all comps, which is mad, mad numbers for a midfielder. When he doesn't play, which is rare, United don't tick. When you close him down, which has happened in big games, which is one of his negatives to me, United don't win. Like they just mm. don't. They don't win, nor do they play well because he is so important. He's he's a leader off the pitch. He's had an exceptional year again. I think the only things holding him back is there have been big moments for United this season: Europa League final, um, FA Cup against Leicester, where I felt he was subdued, and he needed to step up. He didn't, and United lost because he's so influential. Um, yeah. He also has the hoodoo as well. I know he did quite well against, was it Liverpool? I have watched a lot of Bruno in the big games against the big six, and he has been quite quiet. I know United mm. collectively haven't had the, the most brilliant of records um, in those games, apart from when they smashed Tottenham, obviously, 6-1 or whatever it was. Yeah, But he, he, had, he tends to be quite quiet. Um, that's one of the negatives I'd have for him, rather than like a Kane or Vardy in particular, who love playing against bigger teams. They always seem to score. They always seem to be involved. So that's kind of a negative for him, for me, to not win it. And he he wasn't my choice. As you said, he's so influential in that in that system. So that when you do nullify Fernandes, you seem to nullify United as a whole. I mean, but as you said, his numbers from midfield are absolutely outstanding. Like you can't, it's almost incomparable with the other the players within the league. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think moving on to Ruben Diaz, 
He's in it because City have conceded the fewest goals in the Prem. You know, he's a leader and organiser. He's very English. I think that Ruben Diaz, I, think he's, I think he's good. I just think, I see a lot of Van Dijk comparisons. I disagree with that. And I think he's very good. I think there are certain things that English fans love about Diaz, which is yeah. why he's more hyped than he is. <laughs> so stuff like, oh, he throws his body into all shots. Yeah. Oh yeah, like he's shouting on the pitch. It's like it's great. There are some fantastic leaders in this game that don't do that. For example, you know there are some players that are extremely influential off the pitch, but on the pitch they may be quieter, more reserved characters. Just because someone is screaming at you to clear the fucking ball doesn't mm. mean you're any more of a leader than <laughs> someone else that leads by example. For example, yeah. when I watched the Top Ten documentary, I was shocked at how vocal. Hugo Lloris is away from the pitch. So obviously yeah. keepers are generally vocal, but Lloris as captain has a lot of speeches, a lot of talks, a lot of chats with the players, which is something I don't see because I'm not in the changing room. Yeah. I think Diaz's Diaz's positive as also his negative, where I think we do overvalue some of the stuff that he does purely because we see it as old school English defending. Having said that though, he's galvanized a city defence. He's galvanized players who maybe before on bad bits of form, in particular John Stones. City collectively have been more solid, but then his flaw is, is that down to the man or the system? Centre-backs are very hard to judge because they play, they play part of a system, right? Now, you could put Van Dijk... Van Dijk could improve West Brom's defence, for sure, but if they're collectively, if they can't play a high line together, then they're still going to concede goals. If they, can't play yeah, an offside, if they can't play an offside line, then they'll be terrible. It's like, if I play next to Van Dijk, they're still going to concede loads of goals because I can't play football. Mm. So it's like, it's just, <laughs> just, because, just because you throw... But that's the thing with centre-backs, right? Is it the system or is it the player? It's very hard to judge, I think, with defenders in particular because yeah, there's such a unit. You, you know, you can't just have one defender who's outstanding and the rest are terrible because it won't work. So that's kind of the flaw with Ruben Diaz. What were your thoughts on him? Well, so I completely agree with that particularly. I mean, we've had a discussion before with friends about um, can you kind of just compare like for like player for player? So can you say, you know, on FIFA, you've got an 85 yeah. overall defender or an 88 and as far as FIFA is concerned, that 88 is better, even though the attributes are, are different. In, in theory, the overall rating is still higher, so therefore they're a better player. But can you actually do that in, in reality, or do you have to take consideration yeah. system? And I think it's a, it's centre half. It's even more it's even more um, prominent because you think David Oliver plays, or I mean, he's moved to Real now, hasn't he? But mm. uh, when he was at Bayern, he played a lot of his games at centre back, like a left centre back. We've seen Kyle Walker play right centre back for England. Like they're very very different roles than. Ruben Diaz, for example. Ruben Diaz reminds me of Nemanja Vidic, is who I would say is the, the most direct comparison there. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of hate if I say this, but you know, Stones and St- Stones and Diaz is almost a bit like Fernand, Ferdinand and Vidic. I know a lot of people might say, chuck their phone on the floor now and start stamping on top of it in, in, in rage because they were the, the kind of famous centre-half pairing of the, the Premier League, the most famous. Um, but it's, it is kind of apt because Stones is that kind of ball-playing defender. So it's Ferdinand Vidic is that kind of put your head in the line, John Terry-style player that Ruben Diaz is. Um, and they work so well together, them sort of players, because you do, particularly in a pep team, you need to have a player that can play with his feet. And I mean, Diaz possibly can. Um, and it's probably a very good footballer, but typically you need to have a player who's a bit quicker, a bit good, quite good with his feet to play on the cover, whilst someone like Diaz is the kind of stopper, for using exactly. football manager terminology. Um, but yeah, you're completely right. I mean, um, can you compare like for like? Can you compare? Can you, can you, can you even compare Stones and and Diaz because they're so they're so different? But um, and they play different roles. But just because they both both play centre back doesn't mean they're the same. They're in the same position. Do you know what I mean? No, I, comp- I completely agree. Um, 
I completely agree. So yeah, I think yes, it's a tough one. Diaz didn't get it for me. Uh, we're going. We're going to the next one. I just think it's more the system rather than the man. But I think the man has contributed to the system. Mm. The next one's Mo Salah, kind of last on the list, but isn't last. You know, you've got twenty-two goals, five assists. He's always been there when Liverpool have needed him. I think Mane's been poor in parts of the season. Firmino has not looked the same this year. Trent's come under criticism. Fabinho has been very good, but has often had to play centre-back and still been very yeah. good and has been brilliant back in midfield. But I think if I was to say Salah, Fabinho, I'd say Robertson. I don't watch Liverpool all the time, but I'd say they're the only three players I would say for the majority of the season have played quite well. They've obviously mm. had bits where they haven't because the team has generally struggled with injuries in defence and the midfield makeup, and they finished the season quite strongly. So Salah has to be in there by being second on goals and being such a threat going forward. But the negative is that when you have such high standards as he does, he's hasn't had a good season by... He's had a good season with the situation at Liverpool, but he hasn't collectively had his best season Therefore, because the standards are so high, I don't think it can actually win, if that makes sense. Like, it, yeah. it, the, the, the league is too strong for Salah to have, let's say, a 7 out of 10, 6 out and a half, 10 out of season and win player of the year. Um, I think it's just one of those years where no one has truly been exceptional for the whole season, either because they're masked by the quality of their team, i.e. the team has performed poorly, so it reflects poorly on the player, or the individual has played quite well, but... He hasn't really done a lot, either. They've won nothing, which is what we're going to talk about with Kane um, coming up. I mean, I almost feel like I don't know who I'm going to pick, but <laughs> yes, yeah, I think one. I would. I think I would go Kane because seventh place and getting winning both, getting winning the assist tally as well. I think it's just an exceptional feat. I think it's mad. So, so fair play to yeah. Kane. I would say with Kane as well. Don't really need to go into him too much detail. I just think he's been mm. the main half for Tottenham, winning both first play to do so is mad. Uh, the team has been shit in short. I don't, need to, <laughs> I don't need to go into details as to why. They've just not been very good. And I think Kane is a deserving winner. I think Kane... I actually think Diaz might win it because I think there is a, there's like this campaign for him to win it. But yeah, I think, people like defenders winning them sort of things, don't they? they yeah, a... but I think it should go to Kane. It, it's quite close. I think it'll be a close one. If they release the data, they never release the data. I would say if whoever wins will win by a small margin between Kane and Diaz, just because Kane, Englishman, won both awards. Diaz, obviously, title-winning player. De Bruyne probably hasn't done enough for City. He has and he hasn't, so I'd probably say they'll be the two. So you're kind it, of go, sorry, go for yeah, it. PFA is voted by the players, isn't it? I was it I was wonder if um, do you reckon it makes a difference if he's English? Not because. Not because like Raheem Sterling or something like that is going to think, oh, God, I'm involved with the Englishman. But like, do you think it makes a difference that they're more likely to um, to know Kane and to be... Yep, definitely. If, do you think it makes a difference? Yeah, I read a left yeah. article. Apparently that's a massive thing, like voting for teammates and also voting for people that you know. Yeah. Like if I play in England for 10 years compared to Diaz for one year, there'd be yeah, loads true. of random players that I know. And also academy-wise as well. Like, okay, let's say I'm a star at City, but I came through at Watford and then I was playing under-16 ball for England with three guys at Man United who I play yeah. in the national team with. And then because those three guys at Man United, I know Bruno Fernandes because I met him through him. So me and Bruno Fernandes kind of get on. Do you know, <laughs> it's like a massive yeah. network. So like, yeah. I do think for someone like Kane, he's been here for a long time, been an, an elite bagsman for a long time. There are more... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, 
if Kane, if Kane could, you know, when they have the little um, uh, infographic bio underneath someone's name, so like Premier League winner times three, whatever, Kane's yeah. would say elite bagsman. Ah, uh, that's what it's okay. because uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I put for him. But yeah, I think that there is definitely a leniency for English players because of you know the general relationships they have with others. But moving on to our final topic, uh, this has been quite interesting actually doing this, is the Young Player of the Year awards. So we've got um, the King. Uh, can play any. <laughs> if you need someone to do back windows, if you need someone to mow your lawn, if you need someone yeah. to be a chauffeur, doctor, surgeon, doctor, surgeon, lawyer, swimming coach, football coach, get Bukayo Saka because he can do it all. Left back, <laughs> guy can play left back, right back. So for Arsenal, I've seen him play right back, left back, left wing, right wing. I've seen him play in the 10 role and I've seen him play as an eight. He's, is that he's, because Saka, is that because Saka is very good or because Arsenal terrible? Uh, make a mixture of both. I think <laughs> I think he's very versatile. When we playing when we played him at eight, that was the interesting one for me because mm, yeah. I, know, I, I didn't know he could do that. But sorry, so instead of going into Saka, I could talk about Saka for two hours. Uh, we've got Bakayo Saka for Arsenal, Phil Foden, the golden boy for City, mm. and Ruben Diaz is in it again because he's under twenty three, so he has to be in it. He he won't win it because I've said he can't. So he's not going to win, and <laughs> and Dominic Calvert Lewin obviously got sixteen goals in thirty three games. Um, so we'll start from the bottom up. We'll go Calvert Lewin first. He is an ugly footballer. Not in terms of aesthetics. He scored, I think, he scored nine headers this year, and he's just a nuisance. You know, you get get stroke, especially someone like him. He's quite tall, great in the air, and quick. He's just yeah, he's, a, he's just a nuisance. Like he, the way yeah. he plays, like his link up play isn't brilliant. It's good. But he's just a nuisance. Where he gets his goals, they're not brilliant goals, but they're, they're key goals. He's putting his head where players are going to put their head. He's in the positions where he needs to be to score mm. goals. Yeah. And that actually is a really underrated skill, I think, for footballers generally. And his, his return this year has been brilliant. In the England squad, England international, <clears throat> he's managed to get off the mark there as well. Mm. And I think he's deserving of a spot on here. He's probably the weakest of the three because, again, it's that club issue where Everton came 10th. Um you know, they have spent quite a bit of money. Um, they were doing quite well earlier on in the season, so they really tailed off. They were in the top four or five for a bit. So I think, unfortunately, he's masked by that poor season. And because he's not a YouTube baller, i.e. He's not a match the day player. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not a YouTube yeah. baller where, like, you see a goal and it's, it's, it's a decent header. But, you know, when you want to yeah. see YouTube goals and you type in Thierry Henry, you think, wow, like, these are great goals. Or Olivier Giroud, oh, wow, great goals. But when you actually watch... Giroud's highlight reel makes him look like one of the, the greatest footballers of all time. Yeah, I love how you... yeah, but so does Craig Gardner's. Yeah. <laughs> Craig Gardner Liz, had an absolute Liz. rocket. <laughs> People used to say to me, he used to go, because um, he's played for Sunderland, he's like, he used to go, oh, Craig Gardner's amazing, isn't he? I was like, well, he's not that good. He's just that he's a match of the day, for, he's a match of the day player. He'd score a screamer like twice a season. <laughs> And then obviously, because no one watches Sunderland, they think he's the best player in the world. <laughs> You're not wrong. So I think that's kind of the floor for Calvert Lewin. Is is um, he hasn't had an exceptional enough season in a team that's underperformed. So he would he would be the drawback mm. for that. We're not going to talk about DS again. I think the only yeah. point about DS is that they should change it to under 21 players instead of under 23 when the yeah. season starts. Because I think DS is halfway through a player's career, man. Like yeah, through at 17, you've been playing for six years. Yeah. So how are you, a young player? <laughs> yeah, I just think DS is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he needs to come out of that one. Um, so we won't talk about him again. Phil Foden is an interesting one, and I have this take on Phil Foden. His best performances have come in the Champions League. And that, yeah. that masks people's opinions of him in the Prem. 
I don't think, I think Phil Foden has been very good. He's got 18 goals in all comps in 56 games with City, which is a lot of games. I just think that he has had his best games. this year. I'm not saying someone's going to say, oh, he's played well in the league. I, I'm not saying he hasn't. I just think that we're mesmerised by the Dortmund performances, the PSG performances, yeah. some of the group games. And we then, we translate that to the Prem when they are different awards. So one of them is the Premier League, you know, PFA. One is the Champions League. But because the Champions League is so big, they kind of merge together. Yeah. Um, if no, I, yeah, agreed. If I was to think of his exceptional league performance, it's like, there will be some Liverpool away, the the goal at the pool. But even then, like I mean, he played well then. Uh, I know what you mean. There's also this thing that because Foden is arguably the most exciting English talent, there's just a lot of people want willing him on, yeah. wanting him to be yeah, this person true. that perhaps so like trying to cr- almost create this um create this player that almost to an extent it does it does exist because he's an exceptional footballer. I mean, some of the, the I think People love to rave about Foden because he seems to have that mentality and he has that technique that so like Dominic Calvert Luna, like you said, he doesn't he's not a YouTube footballer, he is very functional. Kane is like that, but it's just very exceptionally good. Kane doesn't do tricks, Kane doesn't do things that other people can't, but he does he just just does the things he's supposed to do better than almost anyone in the world, and therefore he's a world class footballer. Um and Calvert Luna is that kind of mold, but just not as good. Foden is the sort of player that you has can do things that other players can't, and that's why particularly for an English player, he gets kind of propelled forward in opinion. But if you actually took away the fact that he's 19 or he's 20 years old now, I think English and his prodigy, if you took all that away, would players, would, would fans and pundits actually be raving as much about him? I don't think they would be. If he was Portuguese, came in and had the same season, I don't think he'd be getting the, the same hype. I think it's just because he is English. We're in a tournament year as well. Yeah. And it's just hysteria around it. Um, which, you know, I get caught up in as well because I'm a massive England fan. I absolutely love Ford and all this. I'm, I'm, I get caught up in that as well. So you've got to kind of just, just like remember for a second that you are biased for that reason. You've got to kind of just think, well, actually, there's other players doing similar things that aren't getting the hype because they're not the English golden boy. No, I completely agree. I think the last one, it, it, it's a tough one. I think Phil Foden will probably win it for me. But I think that because Arsenal, so it's Bukayo Saka's problem is a game where we've spoken about for countless players on this list, is played very, very well. Most goals were any under-21 player in the league, I believe. Played a pivotal role for Arsenal, but Arsenal have been crap. So, again, his, yeah. issue, his issue is like, yeah, yeah, like, he's great, but, you know, he... Uh, yeah, he's just... It's just one of those things where... Arsenal just haven't been good enough, therefore... But, do you, but is that in his favour or is that against him? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. So... Is someone performing well like Kane in a team that hasn't performed well like Tottenham better for, for doing that in that side? Or is the fact that they didn't do very well a signal that even themselves individually weren't as good as we think they are? Do you, if you get what I mean. Yeah, so, I, I get what you mean. I, I just think it's one of them where like uh, he's just not... You, you need to have both right. We've had that great season. I think the team needs to do well. I think it does impact. Yeah, obviously it does highlight if a team are all my level and your Bakayo Saka, <laughs> you look exceptional. But then also if a team comes 20th and you get relegated, people are like, oh, well, but, you know, big, yeah. fish, big fish, small ponds. And that's kind of why I'd have to give it to um, Phil Foden on that one, I think. What are your thoughts? At the start of the season, you if we were talking about this, if we say we did like a mid-season prediction for the Player of the Year award, yeah. young player would be saying Cavaloon if he said yeah. Christmas, I think. But now obviously that second half of the season has, has not been as fruitful and Foden, to be fair, and to be fair, I mean, again, almost like anti what I said before, or like the discussion where you talk about Saka and say, oh, is, does it make him a better player because he plays in a 
and arguably a worse team yeah. and therefore still performs. However, it's easier to get in that side yeah, because it's not doing as well. Whereas if you're Foden, you manage to break into a team that is actually the best in the, in the league in terms of domestic um, performance, then you won the Champions League. Um, so in that you know, not only is that barrier to entry in that team harder, but then you've also got to stay in there and then perform, particularly yeah. in a, in, under a coach like Guardiola, who, you know, as much as I think he seems to really want to will Foden on to be this next like, <laughs> this next like almost like Messi style uh, oh, yeah. prodigy, he would still cut, he would still cull him if if it wasn't going well. Like he's the sort of manager who would, yeah. would cull a player over the the greater good. So yeah, very much uh, so. there is that point as well. No, I do agree with that, and I think I think that's that's pretty much it, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good time to good time to wrap up. I think we've uh, it's been a long one today, but um, yeah, thank you so much for um, pulling that list together, Chess. It was an interesting discussion, and uh, let's just wrap up. Then we've got so we went for I went Moyes, you went Rogers, Rogers uh, double cane for the next one, double cane, and then double Foden. Yeah, double Foden. Sorry, Pekai Saka. Yeah, probably have to go with go with uh, Foden for the last one as well. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be devastated. So he'll I'll be. break the news. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, cheers, Bert. Um, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll speak. We'll see you all all next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers.